it is. It's time once again for DLC, your downloadable commentary for the week. Wherever you are, whenever you are, and however you happen to be listening, we're glad you chose to tune in. Are you one of our geeks and sneaks? Are you running right now? Are you at the gym? Are you doing something physical? We believe in you. You can do it. We're going to be here getting you through it because DLC is on. DLC delivered the way it's meant to be completely free. And that's thanks to our sponsor this week, Squarespace. Squarespace! They made that possible, bringing the show to you. DLC, of course, the show all about gaming in its many forms. Games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles, and also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I am your host, Jeff Canada. That's with two N's and one T. And my co-affectionado is here, my friend slash co-host slash nemesis. The guy who... You know what? He's rocking his comedy album. It's uh, now going to be available on Apple Watch, is what I've I've heard. Uh, Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian. Hello. Yeah. Well, one, real quick. This will be very brief. Thank you it, uh, to everybody. Um, it hit uh, number, it debuted at number 12 on the Billboard Whoa. comedy charts, which is Congrats. incredible. And I'm trying to get it onto other stores. It just takes longer. Um, Apple is annoying, but I know their process, so that's why it was there. If you haven't checked it out, you can find the links at my website, christianspicer.com. Today, though, we are talking only about the new MacBook, right? <laughs> that's my understanding, yes. Watches and Mac- <laughs> MacBooks. Dude, congratulations on that billboard charting. Uh, I, I'm imagining that your life now is like that show Empire, where you're <laughs> Yes, you know, I'm worried about the gold on records Fox on the that wall. Is popular beyond everybody's expectations. <laughs> oh man, yeah, we're excited. DLC, we got lots to talk about. Tons of gaming news. We've had GDC all week. We've had uh, PAX East this last weekend, and. As you know, DLC is your downloadable Kanata and your downloadable Christian. And this week, we're excited. We've got a brand new friend of the show hitting friend of the show status with his second appearance. DLC, his first time, stood for Director of Legends on Console. But that needs to be appended because we've got Director of Legends on Console and Director of Legends on Computers because Fable Legends is now cross-platform, and we're welcoming back the game director of Fable Legends, Mr. David Eckleberry. Welcome back, sir. Hello, it's good to be back. Even if my voice you, is a little shot from all the shows that I've been attending this week. Yeah, you were at uh, you were at GDC and PAX East, right? Braving the snow and the and the hordes of people. And yeah, that's right. Um, it was a long haul from San Francisco to Boston and before that from London, which I call home. Um, I'm sorry if you hear a little background noise today. I'm joining you from somewhere on I-90 where uh, there was some traffic accidents. So I pulled over to, to the deal. Damn it. Um, and I'm so glad I could join you guys. Today. Well, we're glad to have you. We're we're uh, glad to have a game developer's voice this week, specifically because uh, game developer conference uh, was huge. It was huge this year, and is um, it's now a place where news happens. We've got a lot of news to get to, uh, so let's get right to it. Starting the show the way we normally do with story of the week. Story of the week. It's the story of the week. Story of the week. It's the story. Story of the week, of course, the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happened in the world of gaming this week. Boy, there is a lot, including news from your own game, sir. Um, David, I'm curious what your story of the week is this week. 
You know, my story that we're speaking unselfishly or like would probably be the proliferation of virtual reality. I've lost count of how many virtual reality devices are coming now, and I don't even know which one I'm supposed to want. <laughs> That's true. Um, this really, this week is kind of the showdown between uh, Christian and I and our, our visions of what the most important technology is of the future because we have huge VR news and we have huge streaming news. So I'm glad that you come down on my side, David, with uh, believing that VR news is huge, and especially as a developer. I'm intrigued to hear what your take is. But yeah, we got... We got Project Morpheus with new, uh, new specifics on, on, uh, tech specs and release window. It's going to be coming out the first half of 2016, according to the, uh, the, uh, press conference that happened at GDC. Uh, we've got, uh, Nvidia showing streaming, streaming services. We've got, uh, <laughs> All this stuff that Valve is talking about, we talked a lot about Vive last week, but now Vive, it has, people have hands on, face on, eyeballs on. Um, which of these virtual reality products is most exciting to you, David? Um, I guess Oculus, just because it's the one I've had most hands on time. I've done, you know, two passes at it or two sessions with it. Um, and I didn't get nauseous, so that was exciting. Um, that is uh, good. You know, I've also played around with HoloLens, which, you know, has, can't really make me nauseous just because I'm seeing the regular world through it. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm actually worried that the proliferation is actually could be a bad thing. Just like mm-hmm. having suddenly five or six consoles coming out in a single year, it's decision paralysis for me as a customer. Right. Yeah, I think that's, that, that might be actually an impediment to it breaking through to the mainstream is... Um, sort of the, uh, beta VHS war, right? Is which standard are we? Cause these are all very different. I mean, Vive has this element of walking around your room of this whole light room technology, which, you know, has these sensors, uh, in, in different corners of your room. Certainly it seems like it's going to be the much more high end, much more expensive solution, uh, to, to VR, uh, which may be off putting to consumers as well. Interestingly, I think about the, the Vive announcement, or at least the information that we got at GDC is that, uh, Gabe Newell was specific in saying that Vive is not one thing. It's a more of a set of standards and that much like the Steam machines, which we're now getting more information about as well, uh, there will be a whole range of them. There'll be a, a it'll be more like a PC technology where you're going to have different different developers making their version of the VR tech, and it's sort of linked through uh, development kits and software standards. Um, that's I think that is fascinating as well. Are you are it, you excited it, about developing a say, game for that? Uh, it is exciting, but if I were a developer that was third party, obviously I've only been with Microsoft for a few years now, but. I would be stunned at which protocols to develop for, right? Am I trying mm. to develop for five or six different VR devices? Even if, you know, I had the best VR idea, I wouldn't know where to go with it. Yeah, that's that's a bit of a bummer to hear. Um, I'm, I'm confused too. Christian, what's your take on all this crazy VR news? So I, I, going to the point of the Valve's approach, I think it's kind of a mistake. And I think, that Android fans are maybe going to yell at me right now, but I feel like for a VR kit or tech coming out with an Android approach, while great in terms of open sourceness and openness is, is always admirable, but kind of um, what David was saying about how do you, even for that, just one thing, it, it, 
I think it creates a problem because you're going to have VR headset makers with the same kit or dev kit behind it, the Valve um, software behind it, but advertising against each other. You know, like HTC saying you want to buy the Vive because it's the best and I'm just making something up right now. And then Samsung has their um, swimmers. I don't know what they call it. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Gears with a Z. And they're saying, no, don't buy the Vive because ours is better because it, it has less latency. And so you're creating competition within the same thing that then makes it hard for a consumer to decide which one to buy. And I think it's the same problem you see on the Android store marketplace with games where some games aren't supported as well as others. And Apple does a lot of things wrong, and it's easy to make fun of them, and justifiably so. But in terms of having a unified marketplace, you know what you're getting is is the version of the game that works on your device. Again, assuming you have a current device, blah, blah, blah. There are problems in all of this, but I just don't think that that kit in several manufacturers is the way to go. I think that's a big mistake for something that's just now getting out of the gates. So you think that something along the lines of what Sony's doing with Morpheus, having it be a one-stop solution, it's going to plug into the PS4, it looks pretty. I mean, certainly the the prototypes that we've seen, it really shows that Sony is making a consumer product. You know, uh, even Oculus at this point with its third iteration of developer kit, and certainly the Vive at, the, at this point, if you look at the pictures, it's like, oh, we cobbled this together. This is, you know... We don't really care about how it looks. We just want to show you how cool the functionality is. And the Project Morpheus looks neat. It, it um, You imagine, yeah, that's what VR is supposed to be like. And I kind of feel that it, it, it may be that it might be that simplified solution that you're hoping for. I, I think that Morpheus does do a lot right, but I do think it's at a disadvantage being tied to the PlayStation console. I think right now, if I were to bet on any of these, it's Oculus, which isn't that difficult of a bet to make with Facebook money behind them. But it's one piece of hardware with attached to any PC that then software makers and indie game people can tweak their you know game specifically for that thing. But they don't need to worry about which kit or which hardware is running the software on it. And it's not tied to a PlayStation 4 while while selling well isn't as um, easy to work on as maybe a PC would be. What about these controllers that we've seen now this for the first time this week? Uh, Valve has several different controllers that they were showing uh, and uh, the the demos that Morpheus was uh, was using to show off its technology was kind of using move-esque controllers. Certainly, I don't I don't think Oculus has that in mind at this point. There, it kind of feels like you're going to be seated. You're going to be using normal computer inputs, but whether that be a controller or, or a mouse and keyboard. Uh, David, what's your what's your feeling? Do you think that that's enough of a differentiator to to have any impact from a consumer point of view? No. Uh, no, because I live in fear of uh, non-standard controllers these days. You know, mm. um, I don't. I if I'm doing VR, I want a controller in my hand, and I don't want to be motion controlling. I want fidelity in order to do the kind of games I want to play. Yeah, I'm very worried about all of this. I, I feel like the first VR solution to market is going to have a huge advantage, which seems to be at this point Vive, although we don't know what Mar- uh, Oculus's release window is, but. Um, I also think Vive is the is going to be the most expensive version of this tech. It's got all this crazy stuff along with it. You know, you, your light box sensors and your crazy controllers. Um, so I'm worried that it will come out of the gate and not sell gangbusters. And then 
I, so I, I just don't want this to turn out to be like motion control and 3D televisions. I don't disagree 100%, but technically the first one out of the gate is Oculus Gear or the Samsung Gear kit, right? I mean, you can that's a consumer product that is viable that's plugging in Samsung's tablet into right. in front of your, your face and using it. And so I don't know if first out of the gate is as important as people think it is. I think um, what's important is the first great one out of the gate. And I think that the people that are going to be early adopters on VR are educated consumers. And it's not, you know, the mom or dad going into Target and saying, my kid wants a VR. I'll buy the Vive. Oh, it stinks. I'll never buy VR again. Right? It's not, you're not buying it at Walmart. So I think that there's a little bit, a little bit of gray area, a little wiggle room for something great to come out. If two come out and they stink, then yeah, it's the '90s all over again. But I think I think we can pull it off this time. I think uh, Oculus the Oculus also has the advantage of just being the first one out there that developers are using. Right? I know of several games right. and or you know game components that are being developed with Oculus in mind because it's been out there in developers' hands. Yeah, that's an interesting point to bring up as well. I mean, both of these other technologies say that developer kits are going to hit in spring uh with vive it's like well developer kits are going to hit in spring and we want it to come out in holiday is that enough time to develop great killer apps for brand new kinds of experiences pretty much no <laughs> yeah that's my worry too and and like you said oculus has been this slow and steady wins the race kind of plan uh perhaps they are being smarter and and they will there's already tons of of experiences on oculus i mean there was all this hullabaloo this week about um somebody coming out and, and hinting that half-life 2 was going to be on vive and then taking it back you can play half-life 2 right now on oculus you can do it. You can play through the whole game on Oculus. So it's not that crazy to think that that kind of experience would already be out. Um, and, and there's a ton of things to do with the Oculus now because people have been developing for it. And if it comes out and is, uh, you know, has the fidelity that all these other devices do and there's more stuff developed for it, unless you can easily port between devices, I think that is an advantage. Um, Christian, what, what is your uh, story of the week? It, it has to be because I need to make it my story of the week. And if we really did vote at the end of the show whose story of the week is the most important, I would like to think that mine would win. I know we have other stuff we need to mention, but I need to talk about EA closing Maxis Emeryville during GDC. This happens almost every year, not by EA, but often by EA <laughs> uh, at a yeah. big tech conference. It's the release your press release the Friday um, before Easter Sunday, right? So something horrible happens at your company. You release the press release Friday, then you have Easter, and then everybody forgets about it. And the way video game companies do it is they release it during a big event, and they hope it gets drowned out. And dang it, no. This is this is horrible. So Maxis, Emeryville, you might know from Sims, SimCity, development, and they're they're done. And SimCity, the most recent SimCity, wasn't a, a great game. It launched with huge problems and then even after getting fixed still had its share of problems that i think were the game's vision in terms of trying to have you play with other people and solo play wasn't as robust as it maybe was before but it's just such a horrible thing to do i think and disrespectful to all the people that spent so much time working at that company to just quietly shutter them and hope that no one notices. So this is a, a shame on you EA moment. Unfortunately, there are many. I think it was Kotaku that had a list of um, uh, sites or companies that EA bought and then closes 
very soon after acquiring them. And that sucks. That just sucks. So I don't, I don't know a positive spin to put on it other than that sucks. Yeah, David, I'm curious to hear your take on this as a developer. Um, I mean, it's the reality of the industry, I'm sure, but, but what are your reactions? Uh, it, it absolutely does suck. I mean, that, that franchise, and I'm that sorry, that really that studio for me was a hallmark kind of of my youth and earlier years in game development. If I can spin any silver lining on it, it's not like they killed the studio that I remember. They put out of its misery a shambling corpse of a zombie of a studio that hasn't been what we remember for a very long time. Well, is, is EA at fault for, for kind of zombifying it in the first place? I mean, it, it feels like they kind of uh, pushed out a game that wasn't ready. It, it didn't do well. And then everybody that works there gets punished for it. It, it. I mean, I don't know how much you want to comment on that, but it feels like that is what happened. I agree with part of that. I just also meant that a lot of the, the great people in the industry who were at that studio a very long time, that was, that was quite literally decades ago. Right. Yeah. And um, uh, Kent Doggy Dog in the chat says, well, there was someone down the line that accepted EA's offer for Maxis, right? As with every buyout. And I don't know the specifics of this, but yes, typically, unless it was a, a hostile takeover, you know, someone agrees to the terms of this deal and probably makes lots, lots of money and it is a good thing for them. But it is, I think, from a larger thing, unfortunate. Well, one, where the, where the state of games is right now that, you know, these smaller companies chase the money of the bigger companies to make this thing and then you kind of you know, put all your eggs in one basket and hope everything works out. And when it doesn't, because it is so expensive to do, and it is a triple A title, supposedly, that when these things stop delivering the the money that's expected, the wheelbarrows of money, then something needs to change. And EA does say that the employees um, will be given opportunities to explore other positions within the Maxis Studios and throughout EA. So hopefully they're genuine with that and it's not just um, lip service. So hopefully everybody affected finds something new and find something that they're passionate to work on and we can get more great game. So yeah, and I think I agree with that. I, I, I hope the same. And I think that for me, the other thing is I know a lot of people that were in that MMA Real Studio that in the last five years, I was at Yay many years ago and um, yeah, they'd already moved on and you know they'd been thinning out that office for a while, I think really. Yeah. And, and I think from a consumer perspective, uh, that doesn't mean that Sims 4 is not going to be supported. That doesn't mean that these properties are dead. It just means that this particular studio is closed. So, yeah, we certainly uh, send out our best wishes to all those uh, people who lost their jobs. That's a that's a shame. And and I think also one of the big points you were bringing up, Christian, at the beginning is that this happened during GDC, which sort of felt in bad taste to me, you know? Yeah, I mean, that's the main reason I wanted to highlight it. And it happens often again. It's a perhaps smart, uh, a Frank Underwood-esque decision to release the thing <laughs> when no one will pay notice to it. But I wanted to pay a little notice to it. Yeah. For me, GDC well, now I'm was torn. for several of us toasting uh, the studio, kind of, yeah, you know, hmm. holding a wake over it at several uh, parties over the weekend or over the week. Well, so maybe in, in a way that worked out well, that at least people could could uh, gather together and uh, <laughs> commiserate as a group. Uh, I'm torn as to my story of the week at this point. Uh, I'm certainly, you know me, I'm such on the bandwagon of VR. And we talked about VR as a, as a group here, uh, all these different technologies. I'm so, so excited about Vive and, and that stuff. And we talked a lot about that last week as well. Uh, but I do need to, I mean, 
Really, my personal story of the week is all the fun Blizzard announcements, but we'll get to that. It's not that big of a deal for most people. It's not as big of a deal as some of these NVIDIA announcements. And Christian, you know, you, you've been talking about how streaming is the future, and we saw a glimpse of what that future can hold, both from NVIDIA and from from uh, Valve, with uh, announcements of these streaming services and more details on how the NVIDIA Shield is going to work with this grid service that's going to offer streaming to the Shield. The Shield is going to be 200 bucks. Uh, they haven't talked about what the grid service is going to cost as far as a subscription fee, but uh, there's going to be Grid and Grid Plus, and Grid Plus aims to give you 1080p, 60 frames per second functionality streaming your games, which is a pretty ambitious and really cool. The regular Grid service will be 720p and 30 frames per second. Uh, however, interesting to read the crazy internet speeds that you're going to need in order to pull that off. They say that for the regular grid service, five megabits per second is required and 15 is recommended. And for grid plus 15 megabits per second is required and 50 is what is recommended. So it gets even crazier when you talk about how fast you can use up your, if you have uh, a cap or if you're looking at what the kinds of feed data feeds that you're going to be streaming. There's, uh, this article on Polygon talked about how, uh, 20 gigs per hour of gameplay is what you should expect to be pushing up and down through your pipe. Luckily, we've got, you know, we've got legislation now that says, uh, that says, uh, you know, this kind of throttling hopefully will be regulated, but we don't know how that's all going to play out. I'm concerned that streaming, if you require that amount of data going back and forth, is going to be problematic. David, what's your take on streaming as a service? Comcast is going to hate it. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I mean, I mean, if you're not living in Singapore, one of the nicer, you know, tech centers of the world, I don't understand how this gets to most of the world that I live in. Um, I mean, I live in England, but even in the United States, I just don't see consistent rates of throughput like this. It's a little fantasy landish to me. I, I hope it comes for a variety of reasons. Um, but I don't think we're there yet. Not, not at the 1080 60. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I guess from some firsthand, um, feedback on this was that there was noticeable lag that it didn't ruin gameplay but there was some noticeable lag interestingly nvidia was showing off games like street fighter on it uh to kind of prove that lag wouldn't be a problem christian are you still sold you gonna buy a shield so i was uh i had a great time i was fortunate to guest on current geek with uh, one of tom Merritt and scott johnson's shows and so we talked about this a little a little bit there and the analogy that came to my head is i am still sold on this idea i still think that this is the the future that we don't realize we're in the future future um but i think that we're currently in the virtual boy age right like people, everyone wants to do this but like david said the technology isn't quite there we need google fiber or, or something similar everywhere we i mean at one point when my daughter is older and my age i think she will have the experience that i have right now where i'm driving and the song i'm listening i'm listening to stops and i get angry because spotify is buffering and the song being sent to space relaying down to me in the middle of central texas stops and i get angry and i'm like what the heck this is this is crap and i'm like oh wait a minute this is the future this is incredible and i think that's where this streaming technology will be i'll carry a controller with me 
I'll go over to your house, Jeff, load the game I'm playing, pick up right where I left off. You can jump in. I'll go somewhere else, play on my laptop, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever. But we are not there. We are only looking at red 3D images of Mario playing tennis badly. But I still believe in it. I still love that people are trying to do it. But I don't know what the fix is for the infrastructure problem because you bring the shield home and the device might work perfectly, but Time Warner might be throttling you and you don't think it will work. So it's like this weird thing where a lot of different companies need to get together and play nice and agree to do something so that we can have a seamless user experience. So I think we're a few years away, unfortunately, but I still I still really, really believe in the idea of it. And so does Valve. Uh, they announced Steam Link, which is their version of streaming. Uh, they say it's going to support 1080p as well. It's only going to be 50 bucks. Uh, of course, you're going to need a full PC with, you know, just links from your PC, but you'll be able to link it to your television or to other PCs and it'll, uh, it'll detect auto detect other Steam connected devices on your, your network already. Uh, so there's more than one. It's not just NVIDIA, but these are big companies who believe in this, as do you, Christian. I'm a little more skeptical. I don't I don't see a use case for me. I feel like this is a problem or a solution in search of a problem a little bit because I just don't. I mean, if I I just go to the device that has the thing and play it there, maybe if I had a, a large family in the house and I needed to, you know, play on a television that was not the main television or something like that. I just don't have that in my life. Uh David, what, what do you, do you feel like this is a, something people need? No. Uh, and, and I think the same, I have the same answer to this that I have somewhat for VR. We have to find a killer app, right? I'm not going to buy a new console, even if it's kind of a half price console until there's a game on it that I can't play on a console or a computer that I already have. Why would I buy it? Well, the, the right. killer app, Jeff it, and, and David is, I mean, Jeff, do you buy music mostly or are you Spotify or some other streaming service? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I do a, a lot of Pandora when I listen to music now of day. I mean, I still buy things that I want. I still, sure. buy, you know, I bought the new Decemberist album. I bought the new Prince album. But but that the killer app is, I mean, it was uh, Steve Jobs, you know, stood on stage years and years and years ago and said, people want to own their music. They're not interested in renting or leasing their music now. I don't know if they have announced it today, and I don't have any inside information, but I think it's well known that, well, one, it is known that Apple bought Beats and that they're revamping that streaming service because everyone is streaming music. You pay your subscription fee, you have your Netflix, you have your Spotify, and that's what this is. The killer app is the slow creep, and before you know it, you're like, oh, wow, I'm here. I have every game at, at my fingertips anytime I want, from any device I want, wherever I want, and and... I'm telling you, it's going to be amazing, and we you don't you won't even realize when it happened. You'll just be like, "Oh wow, I'm in the future." Yeah, I mean, I think that a service like Steam, in and of itself, is proof that that's uh, a, a great prospect. You know, the idea that I sit down and I have my full library of every PC game I've ever purchased on Steam right there at my fingertips. I still need to download them and install them on my computer, and to remove that step, I. I agree would be, uh, helpful and useful and instant play. You know, one of the big things that NVIDIA was talking about is this instant play that you don't have to install anything. You push a button and you're playing that game no matter what. Uh, yeah, that's cool. Instant, instant on is cool. I, you know, I certainly like it for my movie watching and my TV watching. I just don't feel like conflict of interest though for Valve. 
I mean, where Valve, you know, is selling the games. But if I were, if somebody offered any one of us fifteen dollars a month to play any Valve game you want and stream it, we'd all take it in a minute, right? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So you're saying that they're in a position like HBO, you know, in, in reference to Netflix, as they want to be their own fifteen bucks rather than everybody's guess, 15 bucks i guess i mean if that's what they're doing for a streaming service that's what you're talking about right but i also wonder how much that hurts developers you know the, i love spotify and i certainly stream video for netflix and similar services amazon but i wonder how much you know how sustainable it is because we already hear plenty of stories where the the artists who aren't huge right how much money do they make when spotify is our principal means of making content or delivering content so if yes. you're a game developer how, you know if valve's taken uh, subscription for $15 a month, are, are you making pennies to release a game on Valve compared to today where somebody at least has to give, the developer gets you know 70% of that revenue? Man, that a is purchase. a huge point. That is, I think that is a huge point. Yeah, we're, we're seeing the entire music industry not know where it stands right now and all this Taylor Swift is pulling her stuff from Spotify, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I think that is a huge point of... of um, the video game industry does not want to see itself there where, as you said, you know, these, these games that are extraordinarily expensive are not going to be even uh, feasible because there's so little money in a, you know, from a streaming service. I hope that doesn't happen. That's for sure. Um, let me uh, take a break real quick. Let's thank our sponsor. We got to thank our sponsor, Squarespace, man. Squarespace is awesome. Simple, powerful, Beautiful. Squarespace is the easiest way to create beautiful websites, blogs, online stores, anything you need a website for. Man, I love Squarespace. I've been using it for years now, <laughs> years and years now. Uh, JeffCanada.com is, was built on Squarespace, housed on Squarespace. I love it because I can make a beautiful looking, interesting looking website easily. I don't have to have crazy HTML skills. I can drag and drop things. I can craft my website and it'll look Really great, but it'll also look unique. It won't look like every other website out there. They have templates, lots of them, but it's so easy to customize everything with their drag and drop interface that I can make my own site look great in just a short amount of time. Um, they also offer 24-7 support via live chat and email. It's only eight bucks a month and you get a free domain name if you buy Squarespace for a year. So it's affordable too. They've got Free online stores for every website comes free. Uh, you can choose to use it or not. So if you have something to sell, great way to do that. It, it very easy to just drag and drop it onto your site. And the cool thing is your website automatically scales to any device. So if people visit your website from a mobile device, it scales there. It looks great there. It doesn't look wonky and weird. And you don't have to worry about it because Squarespace handles all that automatically. They have cover pages, which is a feature that allows you to set up uh, beautiful sort of splash pages, one, one stop shops, uh, really, really cool stuff. And it's free. Free to start, free to try it, so free that they won't even ask for your credit card. You can try out their their service, build your website, make it look how you want, see if you like it without even having to give your credit card. And if you do decide that you want to use Squarespace, we're going to give you 10% off your first purchase simply because you listen to our show. We like you that much. You got to go to our URL though. That's squarespace.com slash DLC. And you got to use our promo code. That's Jeff sent me J E F F S E N T M E. So squarespace.com slash DLC. Use that promo code. Jeff sent me. They'll know you heard about it here. They'll help make this show possible and you'll get really cool. The ability to make a website. So many people in my life who aren't tech 
folks know that I'm a tech guy and they go, I need to make a website. How do I do it? I always tell them Squarespace, squarespace.com slash DLC promo code. Jeff sent me for 10% off. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about your game, David. Uh, Fable Legends has been making some big news lately as one of the first, if not the first, uh, of the Windows 10 cross play games. And, uh, the fact that it's going to be free to play, which was a big announcement a couple weeks ago we talked about on the show. Uh, so kudos on both of those. We talked about your three points last week, uh, that I think are really, I hope become a template for how all free to play games work. Um, but this week we heard that, uh, some details at GDC about how that cross play is going to work and that the game will actually be blind to platforms. So basically you won't even know whether you're playing against PC players or Xbox one players. Everybody's going to be in the same pool. All your save games are going to be shared and saved in the same cloud based system. Tell me a bit about that decision and why you think it's the right choice. Um, I think it was a necessary choice. Um, that talk was from a, a, one of my PC developers who works on a team ring and he's fantastic. Um, but for us, you know, we want to go back and avoid in some, some ways, the old shadow run problem where you're playing on PC and this somehow gives you a massive game advantage, right? right. We don't want to be in that world where you look up and go, Oh, I'm playing a bunch of people on PC. So we have, we had, we had to answer that first to make sure that it was fair to both sides. And then just to get through the problem by not, creating fear or paranoia that, oh, this guy beat me. He was on PC. That means PC has to be better, if you know what I mean. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I think that's the idea that that isn't the case, I think, is is pretty cool. Um, but also that, you know, it's, it's just going to expand the pool of players you're going to be able to play with and against. Um, I think that's always been the idea, the, the draw to, uh, to cross play is that, Hey, it doesn't matter if my friend bought the game on a different system. We don't have to coordinate what we're buying it on. We can just all play together. I couldn't agree more. I mean, I was really excited for us to do cross device play with this when the opportunity, you know, started looking like it would be able to happen from a tech point of view. Um, we were immeasurably excited because the, one of the worst things I hate about my gaming universe right now is that uh i'll buy a new game that's cross-platform whether it's cross-console or pc and one console or whatever and and i'll go like hey i i bought this game and my friend will be like oh i bought it on the other thing and i'm like well am i gonna buy it a second time that right. seems ridiculous and i've lose my progress and all that kind of thing and and i just want to be able to play with my friends period end of story um that's all i want why is that so yeah. hard um and that's <laughs> just you know avoiding that pitfall seems glorious to me i'm very happy about it and that actually goes to, you know, the, the reason we're free to play, right? We wanted a really big customer base and I wanted to be able to tell all of my friends, Hey, go play this game. You know, I, I made this, go play this. Um, and you don't have to care about platform. You don't have to care about, you know, an entry fee. Um, and you know, that was it, right? That's the reason right there. Yeah. I think that's pretty exciting. And I think to have this game be, uh, available for free on multiple platforms and to be one of the first sort of windows 10, uh, games, I think puts a lot of pressure on you guys, first of all, but I think it makes the, it makes it extremely exciting. I would guess, um, from a development point of view, I talk a little bit about those three points. Uh, you, I think it was openness, fairness, and generosity. Am I getting that right? Yeah, that's yeah, totally right. Um, yeah, we did a little short video. Um, I, I was gloriously on camera something I prefer to avoid, but whatever. Um, <laughs> 
and I, I basically just went over the three bullet points. When, when we thought about taking Legends free-to-play, um, for a while we were just, I mean, for most of the development history, we've just been developing the game, right? Make the game fun um, and let the marketing people sort out the rest. But then when we started thinking about how to market it once we were on Windows or um, developing it internally for, for both, um, I went into it with, you know, I, I don't want to do this wrong, right? I'm, I'm a gamer first and foremost, and I want to be able to say this, you know, proudly and fairly on a hill, I'm not trying to screw anyone, right? That I want to offer you free to play in a way that can be just good, right? Can be fair. Um, so we looked at some of the best examples of free to play games we love that when we bought something, you know, if we bought something and then we didn't regret it, you know, that one of the internal mantras was kind of a no regrets ideal. So that, you know, you bought something and the next day you wouldn't regret it. Um, so that's eventually we, we, we talked about all the best games that we played that were free to play and said, what are the rules here um, that make it fair for our players? Um, and that's where we broke down those commitments um, to, to talk about them for a second. Um, what, the first was open, um, and that just basically meant that all of the quests and content, um, all the stories of the game and, and, and all the heroes in the game can be played for free. Um, there's no paywalls or energy meters. You can kind of play the game as much as uh, play with your friends um, while there's a absolutely a linear narrative to our game that that had you know is sold episodically and you have to unlock that you know kind of that's the one restriction with the quest is that in order to play for example quest six you first have to play quest five um at least the first time through so that you know you actually know what's going on in the narrative but even that rule the narrative rule the linearity of it we broke so that you know if i'm playing and i'm in quest 14 and you come online and see me online you can join me even if this story won't make any sense it's more important to be able to play with your friends really in a multiplayer experience um so that's open uh fair meant that anything that offers you a gameplay advantage anything that makes you stronger or powerful or you know helps you compete whether that's in a co-op sense kind of like in a race you know kind of way that players compete even though they're on the same team or in the kind of work 4v1 anything that makes your creature stronger as the villain or helps you kill the, the villain's creatures, all of that had to be earnable. Um, so there are treasure chests throughout the game, just like a normal RPG, and we wanted it to feel that way. And they come, you know, spit out loot and treasure, and you collect XP um, that helps your character level up. Um, so all that stuff's earned, right? That, that The stuff that makes you more powerful and makes you more able to defeat your, minion, you know, your enemies. Um, uh, so that's fair. Um, and the last point, you know, it's a little bit harder to define. There's no exact metric for it, no true or false statement that we can attach really, I guess, like the first two, but it, it's about what our goal is. And that was to be generous, right? We've always imagined that, you know, we have a larger player base than we've ever had before Fable, given the two platforms, given free to play. Um, and it goes to what Microsoft really, their goal for us, uh, when, when we were talking about Fable Legends at Lionhead and talking about it, um, back in Redmond with Microsoft, the goal for us is to make it cooler to be playing on Microsoft platforms, to give another fun experience, another great reason to play on Xbox, on Xbox live or, um, on a windows 10 PC. Um, we want to make this a cool space for games. Um, and you know, they're Microsoft bluntly, right? I mean, uh, of course, you know, they want our game to, to break even, um, uh, but they don't, you know, we could be the most successful game ever and it wouldn't do anything to Microsoft's bottom line, right? They're just too <laughs> big of a company that, um, if you know what I mean, right? They don't have to see this as the means that which they survive. Um, 
so yeah. it was much more important that we establish a great platform for our players and a fun place to play. And, and the best way to do that is for us to be as generous with our players, right? To value their time. If they do buy something from us to really honor and thank them for that and give them something valuable that they're going to like, but doesn't disturb the game balance of the game. Um, and just leave them with that. Um, so that even after you stop playing legends, cause eventually you stop playing everything. Um, you know, <laughs> you, you play the game for a month, you play the game for three months or whatever, you know, we'd love to have you play for as long as you want, but when you do stop and you think about the game that you played a few months ago, or a few weeks ago, or, or even a year ago, you're not like, Hey, I gave them some money. Why did I do that? I want you to be like, damn, that was fun. Maybe I'll go back and play it again. Or, you know, I'm not playing it anymore, but when your friends ask about it, I want you to be able to be like, yeah, it was fun. I, I bought a couple things. They were cool. You know, we're not right. right. Again, we don't expect that most of our players are buying anything really. Um, but they're there and having a good time. And as a game development studio, it's really all I want. That's really cool. And I think that the reason that, people hear free to play and then sort of get worried sometimes is because we've seen it abused so much specifically in the mobile space. I think that's really the, the biggest, uh, the biggest offender in that sense of, of, you know, having pay to win, having like, Oh, yep. pay to keep playing or, or whatever it is, all these weird, you know, these weird social experiments almost. Um, and I would love to see that format that template that you laid out uh be sort of adopted i mean we already see a lot uh, some games doing that game like the game i've been playing a lot uh heroes of the storm a lot of mobas actually league of legends and dota they're they're in that same mold of just selling you sort of um different ways to play or different ways to make your game look rather than actual you know gameplay itself uh and uh and that feeling that you're constantly something new and you're constantly getting getting rewarded uh from from the game itself in in new content all the time i think is uh is a big part of that yeah i mean the other thing it really lets us do instead of just dropping a six dollar box and walking away you know um it lets us create a, a model in which we can release new quests and stories so we're going to come out with one kind of season of content that's broken into episodes but then a couple months after that comes out we'll release like season two quest one season two quest three that builds a new kind of episodic arc like a tv show i guess really that's cool. I'm very curious to see how how that style of gameplay will be used to uh, tell a story. I think that's so the Fable universe is so story driven and, and has such rich uh, story content. I'm I'm interested to see how your your game is going to utilize that. Yeah, and next time you know we're together, whether at E3 or whatever, I definitely want to take you some requests that. You know, in our early days, we were really showing off the weirder differences, right? We were purely showing off kind of a multiplayer prototype. Um, but lately now, we're able to show off here at GDC and PAX more of the story-based approach. So there's an episode that the quest we showed off um, at these two, last two shows is about a, a pair of kind of big, giant creatures that have shrunk the poor and helpless town of Rhubarb down and our heroes have shown up and... Yeah, they have to, of course, fight monsters and do combat and all the things. But there's also a lot of humor. There's really terrible poetry to be heard, listened to with funny British accents. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I mean, the, the development studio really still loves the world of Albion. So they're not leaving that behind in the slightest. Very cool. Um, well, there's a few other stories here I wanted to hit on. Um we talked, we've kind of been breaking apart some of these, these announcements in general from, uh, particularly from Valve, but, um, there's another facet of the Valve press conference at GDC that, uh, was pretty interesting. And that is the oft discussed, but rarely seen steam machines. We are now getting real details on steam machines. There's a whole range of them from a whole bunch of different developers um and now Christian, we know we why they're big... called steam machines because they are steaming piles of poop 
All right. Elaborate. <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't, I don't, this to me, and sorry to cut you off before you really explained what they are, no, but this to me is the fixing the problem that doesn't exist because you have PCs and you have consoles. And if you want the one thing, you have a console. If you want to tinker and play and build your own thing, you have a PC. And these are pre-built paying a premium for having it be pre-built and oftentimes underperformed PCs that maybe some of them, half of them have an elegant box that they put them in so they look good in your living room. But the pricing for these things, for the components that are put in them, seems crazy. I just don't know who is buying a steam machine except for the guy or the girl that needs everything. Man, these are a huge miss. And going back 12 months ago when we were so excited about it, I just, I cannot get excited for these steam machines at all. Are you excited, Jeff? Does this get you interested? No. <laughs> no. I mean, some of the, I browse the list of, of what's going to be available and there's some really cool companies. There's some really terrible companies too, but there's some really cool companies, um, doing some really interesting form factors and some really interesting, um, you know, combinations of components and some pricing issue, you know, there's, there's really cool computers in there, right? Uh, I think really the question is, is the Steam OS worth using? And it feels like, uh, you know, with what Windows 10 is doing, I don't know if there's a compelling reason for me to use Steam OS. I don't know if, I don't particularly want to buy a PC, plug it into my television and just use it as a console. I'm not, I want to be able to use it as a PC as well. And there's a whole bunch of these Steam machines that are offering dual boot from Windows and uh, Steam OS. Why do I want to do that? I don't care. <laughs> Windows 10 is going to be free and is going to be, uh, you know, it's going to be cross-platform with Xbox One. I know we have someone on the show who has a vested interest in that. But from my perspective, I'm not saying that just because he's here. I'm saying that because, like, I don't really see a compelling use case for Steam OS. Like, I can boot into Steam from my PC and I'm in Steam. Like, why do I need to have it as an OS? I don't get it. David, do you want to do you want to comment? I know you you're not exactly uh, objective uh, on this one. No, I'm not. Although, I mean, I mostly agree with you. I somewhat wonder if the SteamOS is just Valve playing insurance, right? If if Windows ever really walked away from gaming or we screwed it up badly enough, they have insurance so that Steam doesn't go away. Yeah, that's a good point. That's interesting. That's a good point. It's like yeah. it's like people who build. Uh, you know, it's like um, Farmville being built on top of uh, on top of. Um, Facebook. It's like, well, Facebook basically has control of your fate at that point. So yeah, if you want to have control of your own fate, you need to not be beholden to anybody else's platform. So I kind of get that. I kind of get that. But um, so I just don't... It also it drives Microsoft to continue to support Windows gaming, right? You know, it, 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 um, they don't want to lose other OS out there that people support as applications for, for, you know, or anything like that, for taking a thousand... View. Valve even developing the OS and keeping their feet in the water that way may make Windows 10 much more related to gamers. Yeah, competition is good. It's that falls under the heading of competition is good. So yeah, hopefully that's that's what it leads to. I don't see myself rushing out and buying one of these, although I definitely am intrigued about the new Titan X card that was announced. I might want to buy that, even though it's going to be an <laughs> arm and a leg. Um, but oh my gosh, that card was cool. Um, there's so much news to talk about. I'm kind of all over the place bringing up pinging here and pinging there. Um, but let's talk about uh, Rock Band 4. I mean, we've talked about this maybe happening, possibly happening, rumored to happen, predicting it would be happening at the end of last year. And here it is, official Rock Band 4 happening 2015. 
Uh, some interesting details from Harmonix talking about what they're going to do, realizing that they want to focus on those three pillars uh, of gameplay, the sort of the uh, score chasing hardcore guys, the living room party experience, and then the narrative progression. I, my personal opinion is the narrative progression is the least interesting and least important part. Uh, and it tends to get the majority of the attention in subsequent releases. Um, and I just want great music and I want it to be fun to play. Um, well, it makes the narrative progression, progression interesting in like games, even like guitar hero before all these, game started coming out with all the songs unlocked is that you discover like my wife really got into the yeah 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 because she had to play that song to get to the other song and now right. you know the game's evolved much more to a spotify or pandora style thing where you only play or listen to the songs you know and love instead of you buy the album and you discover that blank space is your least favorite taylor swift song on the album and you actually like um other song on the album and so i think that is interesting but it doesn't seem like they're doing away with having all of the sun- songs unlocked nothing i heard made it sound like they're you know putting songs behind progression bars or anything like that well, from my perspective, I think you're talking about two different things, and maybe I wasn't being clear, but I, I actually like the locked away stuff. I like carrots on sticks. I'm a big fan of give give me incentive to push through that difficult song or play the country western song that I don't really care about or whatever it is. I like carrots on sticks. That's not really what I'm talking about. I'm more talking about like building out the story of your band and, oh, there's a cutscene where they got the new thing and I don't care. Like that, that to me isn't a carrot. That to me is a waste of time development wise. Like just, you know, yeah, lock it away. Make me earn it. I, I like earning it, but I don't really care about the story of, you know, skunk McSqueezleteats, who is your drummer and he, you know, whatever. I don't, you know, I don't need that. <laughs> By the way, copyright skunk McTweezleteats. <laughs> yeah, I'm registering that domain right now. Uh, David, are you a, are you a rock band? Are you excited about this news? I used to be, and, and somehow I fell away from it. To me, the, the first use case was the only user case that I cared about. It's going three or four plastic instruments and pretending to rock out. Um, it's something yeah. we did all, you know, when we went to parties. It's, it was entertaining. But again, sure. Um, I don't know why I stopped doing it, though, so I don't want know what the new impulse is. I will say, amusingly, at PAC, one of the greatest they had um, built giant stage um and they had basically people doing you know karaoke with plastic instruments right so you know there was two hours of people waiting to take their turn in groups of four or five to go on stage and play so there's clearly still some draw there um but i don't what's new about this because to me i don't certainly care about squeezy sprinkler pants or anything else (laughs) in that narrative mode yeah it's uh (laughs) It's if video games are wish fulfillment, right? If I want to be the uh, super powered sword wielding awesome guy or the laser toting pistol dude in space, um, there's wish fulfillment of being the rock star. I think that is the, the what those games delivered in a way that had never been done before. And I, you know, there's always new music. There's always stuff that that I want to experience the feeling of pretend playing. Um, so I'm I'm into it for new music. Um, you know, you bring up the plastic instruments issue, which is really the elephant in the room, I guess. They say they are working with the console manufacturers to make the, the, you know, legacy instruments 
compatible, forward compatible with this new game. We'll see if that actually happens or not. It seems like a, it'll be a more difficult sell. Mad Cats is making new instruments. And even if they do, I already gave away all my instruments. So I'm, I'm SOL. Um, Christian, you are really negative about this whole endeavor. Is there nothing about this new information that makes you encouraged? No. I mean, I, I'm glad that people are happy about new rock band and I'm sure the people that work at Harmon- harmonics are lovely, wonderful people that clearly have had a passion for music. I know some of those people are no longer there, but I mean, they're a passionate group of developers that are making something that hopefully they're really behind and not just going back to the well too, because what are we going to do now if Viacom doesn't own us? Um, but I still have my Xbox 360. I still have my PlayStation 3. I still have all of my rock band instruments. I can still hook them up and play them anytime I want. I don't do that often. Um, are there new songs that would maybe be fun to play? Yeah, maybe, of course. There's, you know, there's fun new music. Um, I, I, I think that there is a time, there's the argument. The argument that I agree with the most is that there are new people that are now 10, that were five when the last one came out, that would maybe really like this. And there's always that argument, right? It's always someone's first Mario game is the argument people make about Nintendo games. And I think that's true. I think five years is a little too quick for that to really take on, though, to, to, to really take hold and be true. I think if it were another five years, ten years, seven years, I think then that kicks in. I, I think people will buy these. I don't think it's going to be anywhere near the success that Guitar Hero or Rock Band was. That being said, if you like it and you enjoy it, Jeff, more power to you. I'm not trying to rain on your parade. I just... I don't see this being anywhere near the cultural phenomenon that it ever has been before. And I personally will not be picking it up unless I can get the game and the guitar bundle for $60. I'll pay $60 oh, for a happen. new guitar. That's that, not I, nothing more than that. Uh, I love it when you give me more power. So thank you. No, go ahead, please. I just boy i can't make out what you're saying i think we're getting a little uh of your uh rest stop <laughs> internet connection happening so i'm not quite uh hearing what you're saying man we want to try again or not uh, but- uh sorry, i'll try again um uh Hmm. It should be said, and I know it was said at the beginning, but I just, this has no no bearing I, on. Go ahead, Christian. <laughs> so, David, I apologize. It seems like your connection is getting choppy, but I cannot. One, I, I need bearing repeating that you were driving all day. You pulled over into a rest stop so you could be part of this show. I am yes. so humbled and, uh, and appreciative of your effort. And if anyone wants to complain about Skype being annoying or Skype, Skype connections being annoying, that is listening to this show, um, shut your face. I understand <laughs> what traveling is like and the fact that you are taking the time to do this in between GDC and PAX. Yes. I agree with you, Christian. Uh, the fact that uh, that David, you know, made a point to be on the show at all is is pretty awesome, and we appreciate him like pulling over to the side of the road and and being on the show. Um, I, I would be remiss in having a developer on the show and not talking about really gigantic, titanic, incredibly groundbreaking news. We've talked about it a little bit in previous episodes, but it feels like this sea change that's happening, which is. 
it's free to use pretty much every engine on the planet. <laughs> the Unreal Engine went free with a back-end deal. Unity went free with a back-end deal. And now the announcement of Source 2 being the follow-up to uh, Valve's big Source Engine. We don't know many details about what Source 2 is going to entail, per se, but we do know it's going to be free. Uh, I think this is... This is really can't be overstated at how big of a deal we are sitting here in 2015 where the barrier to entry to becoming a game developer or having these top tier engines at your fingertips for anybody is is zero. Uh, I think that's pretty incredible. Uh, David, if if your connection holds, I'd love to hear your take as a developer on on this news. The thing that excites me is that I'm going to have a whole new generation of talented developers that are using Unreal for first unit and source. Those are awesome options. You know, I don't know enough about the, the little fine prints of like how, how those companies get paid. So, you know, I tell people now who want to get started in the industry, what's stopping you? Download one of these engines. If you want to work for, you know, for a big AAA company, download an indie, download Unity or maybe Source and just start making things so that when you show up at a game developer's door saying, I want to work for you, you have. Yeah, it's, it's pretty incredible. Christian, what's your, what's your feeling? I mean, it's uh, a non-sarcastic version of not even what she meant when she said it, but it's let them eat cake, right? It's the, the world is your oyster. Go grab it, go shuck it. Go make the thing you want to make. It is incredible. And everybody that currently has a job in the industry, keep making good stuff because you better watch out because 10-year-olds are going to come for your job. <laughs> I mean, it, as, it as 10-year-olds floors. always have. <laughs> yeah, it's always the case. There were floors of companies before whose sole job it was to color correct major motion pictures. Now it's one dude on a laptop anywhere in the world. And the... The spreading of power and the ability to create these awesome games on cutting edge tech now is incredible. And I hopefully will have the hand dexterity for years to come to continue to enjoy them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I, I think it's going to result in such a broader base of games. We're already seeing that happen. We're already seeing uh, these indie games, all these, you know, Steam Greenlight games, all of these Xbox Live Arcade and PSN games, all of these games on on platforms that are just are coming from unexpected locations. And yes, do I get excited about the AAA titles from the big studios? Do I get excited about, uh, you know, the, the next big franchise installment? Heck yes. But the the real sort of undercurrent of excitement i think is comes from all these people who have access now who are able to contribute to the pool of what makes interactive entertainment and do so from a a place of creativity that isn't shackled by having to pay $500,000 to be able to use a game engine uh it's it's remarkable and it's only going to get more interesting and better as we move forward. Uh, I love this sort of race to the bottom uh, of on pricing on these things. And I hope it results in a lots of successful, really cool, really interesting games. And, and I, I would love to see, uh, you know, as David brought up the fact that there's going to be so many more people versed on these technologies, on these, on these game engines, 
I think we're going to see less and less of the game engine determines how the game looks problem. You know, I think in the last generation, you could kind of tell what was an unreal game versus what was a source game. And while I think there's still going to be a little of that, I think the, the broader base of people who are familiar with how to use these things, the, the support systems of people sharing techniques and strategies on how to use these things because there's so many more people doing it is going to result in more interesting varied uses for the, for the engines. And it's just going to be a win for gamers. It's going to be a huge win. And I think this is, this is really the story, not just of the week, but of the year. I think this is massive. Yeah, it's incredible. Awesome. Um, all right. Uh, was there, I think there's one more little bit of news. Oh yeah. Blizzard made some announcements. I just, you know, I'm excited. Uh, new, new expansion for Hearthstone called Black Rock Mountain. New character and maps for Heroes of the Storm. All that stuff's super cool. I think it's neat how fast they're coming out with expansions for Hearthstone. I think it's neat how, uh, how different these are, are, you know, the, the different sort of methodologies that they're putting in play. The, the idea that there's this boss that just kind of call, you're not fighting just a boss. You're fighting an entire bar full of people. So he calls cards into play. Super cool. I'm a Blizzard fanboy, so I'm just excited about that stuff. So I wanted to bring it up, but, um, a, a huge week of news all across the board and we only scratched the surface. We'll be talking about it for weeks to come. Um, very excited about that, but let's move forward into the playlist. Unlike Christian and I, David, you were at PAX East and GDC. Uh, PAX East, a great place to play stuff. What um, what did you see there that was cool? I know you were working, so you didn't have tons of free time, but did you see any cool games that uh, at PAX East? Well, I'm just going to go back to what you were just saying, that uh, we're, it's, we're all, it's Blizzard's world and we live in it. I played a couple rounds of Overwatch, and it's amazing. Oh, yeah? Oh, my God, I'm so jealous. T- tell me. Tell me about it. I mean, it's like TF2 on steroids with awesome, amazing special abilities, great teamwork and strategies that I've just barely begun to thought about as as sucked in as you probably seem to be by Heroes of the Storm right now. I'm really worried that when Overwatch comes out or is in a beta, if I get into it, that there goes all my free time. (laughs) Awesome. Uh, Does it feel... Does it feel different than uh, Team Fortress? Does it have its own kind of unique, uh, you know, methodology? Is it, it, they, they keep reinforcing the idea of heroes over just sort of shooter mechanics. Does it have its own feel? Yeah, I mean, it, it's definitely like, I mean, it, it is more than TF2 in terms of like uh, more than the characters I know from TF2. And, and their special abilities and kind of superpower modes that they go into are really over the top and sometimes kind of ridiculous. Uh, but it works. It's still, I don't think anyone's going to get away from the fact that it feels like somebody at Blizzard, you know, some, you know, creative guy was like, you know, we could, Valve isn't doing anything with Team Fortress. We could take a really fun spin on this. Um, and they have, you know, uh, yeah. they, they've been very creative. And this is kind of what Blizzard does, right? They, they look at somebody else's game and go, you know, we could take this game, evolve it forward a couple generations, slap a slick, cool UI and amazing art style on it and make it even better than everyone knew. Yeah, and make all the money like they do with yeah. Hearthstone. <laughs> uh, any anything else you've been playing on your playlist? Um, a couple other things uh, at the show. I did get to play a preview build of Dreadnought, which is a very bizarre game to me. It's it's kind of a space shooter with really slow moving spaceships. Um, mm-hmm. 
I'm kind of at a loss for what to say about it, though. I mean, uh, the sp- ships move very slow, but they get blown up really fast. Um, I, 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 I don't know. I, I may have to play the game a few more times. It's in closed beta. It looks very pretty. I just don't know if, like, compared to something like Elite Dangerous, that I would want to spend time in that space. It's basically, it seems to be like a 5v5 arena shooter with really giant big battleships, uh, space battleships. Um, hmm. So it was fun to watch, but it wasn't yet fun to play for me. Um, Interesting. You know, your mileage may vary. Um, the other two games I've been playing, I've been on the road, so I've been mostly relying on playing on my laptop um, and stuff like that. Um, before I left town, though, I was playing Life is Strange, which is an interesting little game. Obviously, the first episode is the only one out yet, but it's really fun to play. Very different kind of game, you know, very story-focused, down to characters. Um, and it has the lovely mechanic um, that you discover very soon on, so I don't think this is a spoiler, and lots of stories are probably covered, but that you can rewind time. Such an interesting mechanic that... I really wish the game was more open about how it let you use it. So you play the game and there's all these kind of very scripted moments that you get to rewind and experience multiple times or solve with puzzles. Um, But I felt so desperately upset at the game that you have a button that's rewind time and and most of the time it doesn't work. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Me just being critical as a designer for such a cool mechanic. Yeah, yeah, I've heard uh, I've heard mixed things about that, but it is a certainly in- interesting idea and it would be I think we are at that place now where we expect these mechanics to just work when we want them to and work across the experience uh and uh, to have it be limited like that is is disappointing. Um Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I'm sorry. I was just about to say yes, agree. <laughs> Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> That's fine. Uh, yeah, no, I haven't, I haven't had tried, haven't had a chance to try that one. I was very jealous of all the folks at uh, PAX East, though, because while it seemed chilly, it definitely seemed like there was a lot of fun to be had um, with uh, a lot, a lot of great stuff on the show floor, a lot of great stuff, um, you know, board game wise. Uh, very, very, such a cool show. Uh, and I was there it's last year, and I was sad show. to miss it. Yeah, it's a totally great show, and I. Uh, I have so much respect for the fans who came there. They are the best gamers I've kind of met for a long time. You know, they know how to play games. They're very excited about it, very passionate about it. It's not really like an industry show like E3 or even GDC. Fans are so excited to play these games. So many are waiting in for hours. You know, the Overwatch line was like four or five hours. Our line for Fable Legends was like routinely three hours. And people were wow. patiently waiting for a chance to play these games that they wanted to play. And, you know, I love my industry, I guess is the last thing I'd say about that. You know, it's just such a fun place to work. That's great, man. I love, I love the positivity. Um, Christian, what's on your playlist? Ollie Ollie 2 all day. So I'm in Texas right now. I actually fly back later tonight. Um, but it was free for PlayStation Plus, and I love the first Ollie Ollie. And I talked about it on the show. And if you haven't checked it out and you're a PlayStation Plus member, definitely do. I'm only playing on the Vita. I hear, you know, of course, it's probably a little easier to control on the PlayStation 4. I think you will probably break a dual shock or two um skateboarding game 2d side scroller and you're pulling off tricks it's endless runner-esque except there are ends to levels um it's punishing a la meat boy but also quick start quick restart so when you fail or die or wreck you just start the level again and, and give it a go and ollie ollie 2 is the Tony Hawk Pro Skater 2 of the franchise they added manuals they updated the art style uh, smoother animations. The soundtrack is maybe not as good. I think that's the only nitpick you can have with the game in terms of the 
being better than the first Ollie Ollie, but just incredible, frustrating in all the right ways. Um, for my personal skill level, I think the difficulty ramps up a, maybe a little too quickly as you get to the back half of the game. I have not. There's a full run of, uh, I forget if they call it easier amateur levels, and then there are advanced or pro levels. I am maybe two-thirds of the way through the amateur stages, and I there's five stars or five things you can unlock on each of them. I try not to move on to another level until I've five-starred the previous level. I'm about two-thirds through the amateur level uh, five-starring all of them and towards the back half there are some stuff that is it is punishing to pull off some of these tricks and, and or you have to pull off two specific tricks or switches from tricks while doing a seamless run because they've added uh, manuals to the game so you can link all of your tricks together and if you're not landing your tricks perfectly you won't have enough speed to carry you through a level but i i loved the first one the second one is just the right amount of improvement in the terms of a familiar gameplay where I cannot recommend it enough. Jeff, I'm talking to you. Why haven't you played this game? It feels like a game I need to play. Are you playing you playing it on Vita, you said? Yeah, I'm, I mean I'm in I'm in Austin right now, so I just have my Vita with me and I'm I am getting a an Ollie Ollie blister. People get calluses from playing guitar. Not this dude. <laughs> I get it from playing <laughs> video games on my Vita. But it's free. Try it. Next week, just tell me you tried it. I will. I will. I will make that promise to you uh, that I will have tried it. Um, are you Are you playing anything else? That's been all of my time. I, I mean, I've uh, gone back. I'm still playing Smash on 3DS, which is still fun and enjoyable. I'm also still. Um, I was. Gonna, I, I'm going to say I'm slogging through uh, Link Between Worlds. Beautiful game, but I'm at a, the a progression I point now where game. I feel like I kind of want it to be done, <laughs> and I'm not done yet. So it's like I'm having fun, but at the same time, I'm ready for the fun to be over. Does that? I think that's a unique thing to gaming, which is kind of weird. We're like, I love this. How much longer do I have left? That's where I am in that game. It, but it's mostly been Ollie Ollie. I can't, I can't put it down. I get mad at it for like two seconds, and then I find myself going right back. Wow, I, that's a completely different experience than I had. I was completely hooked on Link Between Worlds. I just you, thought uh, you didn't beat it. Was, it though. I did. I did beat it. I thought you'd. Ne- I thought you gave up on the last boss. I gave up on the last boss for like two weeks and then came back and finished him off. But uh, oh, yeah, I, was I think like, I have two dungeons left and I'm kind of ready to be done. Yeah. It, no, dude, it's, oh man, I, I just thought, it, I thought it was the best um, Zelda game in a long time. I thought it was really, really amazing. Um, but I, I'm jealous that you're playing it on your new 3DS. I keep, I keep getting notification that it's at certain stores and then i go i can't justify it i can't justify purchasing it but i i covet it i want one um so my playlist guys this is going to be a disappointment to some but a happiness to others uh i've been playing all years of the storm all the time uh and i've gotten a lot of feedback from what i said last week about heroes of the storm uh, yes, I have, uh, toned back my rhetoric and, uh, I, I got, um, legitimately justifiably, uh, beaten down a little bit by, uh, <laughs> what I said. I shouldn't have made, been so critical of new players. Yes, new players are needed and necessary and welcome and should be, uh, nourished and, and cultivated like, like little seedlings. And, uh, and I felt bad being so harsh. Um, my my res- the result is i want to introduce a a really brief new segment to the show called uh jeff's hot's primer
bumper. <laughs> it's my little little bumper for uh, Here's the Storm Primer that I'm at. I want to give people, if you're getting into the beta, if you want to learn some stuff, I got a lot of emails this week from people who are like, give me tips, give me tips, give me tips. Okay? So just a few. It won't take a lot of time here. I know people get sick of me talking about Here's the Storm. But here it is. Uh, first of all, the game is not Deathmatch. Okay, I think that's the first thing people have to know about MOBAs. It's not deathmatch. Yes, kills are fun to get. It's great to get kills. But the biggest thing you need to learn about these games, if you're jumping into MOBAs for the first time, is if you get someone to leave the area you're in, it's a win. You don't need to kill them. It's great to get kills. I Yes, I like getting kills as much as the next guy. But... Having discipline and knowing when to pull back and not over pursue and not get yourself into trouble because you wanted to get that last little bit of health down from that guy is very important. It's a, it's maybe the hardest thing to learn in the whole game is to know when to not try to go in for the kill and just, you already won because it's a location based game. It's a, you're getting, you're getting, you're getting objectives. You're trying to push people away and, and win that location on the map. So you don't have to get a kill. Okay. That's the first bit of uh, advice. Second bit of advice is to communicate to, uh, this is a team based game. You have to play as a team. You can't win solo. This is not like a first person shooter where you go in and you can just kill people and get your win, your kill counts up. You'll, you'll almost never win in a a solo endeavor because you're going to get ganked by multiple people. And so you want to be with your team. Uh, one of the best pieces of advice I've heard is it's better to do the wrong thing as a team than to do the right thing by yourself. Because when you're with the team, at least you're with the team and you can win team fights, whatever. Third bit of, uh, third bit of advice is, uh, remember you have to, you have to rank the level up of your team. In games like Dota and, uh, League of Legends, you're gonna work for last hits, you're gonna get your own level up. In Here's the Storm, you have a group level. Everybody's leveling at the same time, so you have a responsibility to your team to contribute XP to that, which means you need to be in lane soaking up that XP. At least in the early part of the game, you need to soak XP from all those characters. So, while yes, you need to be with your team, the early part of the game, somebody needs to be in every lane soaking XP. Know the role that your character needs to play, and play that role. If you're playing a healer character, chances are you don't want to ever be by yourself. You want to be stuck to the hip of another character, most likely an assassin or a warrior character who's going to be doing all the damage or soaking up all the damage. So be right next to them. Stay with them. Play as a team. There'll be more in future episodes unless people send me tons of emails saying they hate this, but I did get a lot of requests for help in that game and I appreciate it. I want to cultivate new players, not push them away as I kind of indicated last week. I like playing this game. I play it crazy amounts of it. Uh, and uh, I'm so hooked on it. I feel like it's a, a completely, um, a completely new kind of experience where I'm actually getting better. I'm actually, my skill at the game is increasing and it's in, improving my enjoyment. Um, David, I know you, you are creating a game in, in very similar style what is your feeling about the challenge of bringing new players in versus reinforcing an already established, experienced uh, group of players? Uh, it's unavoidable, is my real comment, that there's just no way around the problem, right? That, you know, um, that in, a, in a competitive game, whether I mean, Halo has this problem. Any game that, is, that has a true competitive level is going to have this kind of problem, is that when you play with a new person, they're, by definition, going to do the wrong things. Um, 
I think the problem is essentially internet anonymity. <laughs> you know, it's another outcome of that is that we troll people when they feed in a MOBA or, you know, uh, they're in a shooter or whatever it is. Um, I think it just reveals a little bit of the dark side of humanity. Um, and there's, we're just going to have to live with it. Yeah. You know, we get, I get a lot of, uh, I got a lot of feedback last week about how like, you know, you know, I try to, I try to do this and people yell at me and it's like, you know, I've never yelled at anybody in the game that, uh, was trying to be part of the team or that, you know, you say you, 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 at least the way I do it is in chat, I'll make a suggestion and, you know, when people react to that, like in negative ways, people have said things to me like, I don't care if I win or lose. And I'm like, well, then why are you here? Why, if you don't care about winning or losing this, this game, like I, I want to win. I'm, I'm playing to win. Uh, we play to win the games as, as people often said. So it's like, if you don't care about whether you win or lose, play a different mode. Don't jump into my random team. Uh, and then when, you know, we as the team are trying to strategize how to win, go off and do your own thing and tell me you don't care. Like that, that to me is insulting. And that's when I start using all caps <laughs> because I've turned completely to the dark side. But, uh, but you know, I think people who, whose heart is in the right place and they just don't have experience. I think nine times out of 10, people are friendly to that person. It's just when people get weirdly combative about it and, and say like, shut up. Or I, I've gotten the comment several times that people are like, that's a pro strat. Stop trying to tell us pro strats is stupid. It's like, well, but it's a reason it's this pro strat is because it works. <laughs> anyway, uh, I'm way down the rabbit hole of that game, as you can tell. So I'll stop talking now. I apologize to everyone. Forever. You don't need to All stop talking. I like, uh, I like your own personal mental rabbit hole that you go down. I feel like you're still in the dark side, Jeff. You're just saying the right things now. You're trying to get more people in, in because you need to feed off their power so you can turn them into better teammates, so you can dominate the other team. This isn't you being a nice guy. This is you trying to convert more people to come help you and carry you uh, to the finish line. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's a it's a challenging thing because I have been on the other side of it, right? I ha I was the guy in the... When I, when the alpha first started and I first got invited, I joined up and my friends and I would play and we'd be like, why are we losing? I don't even understand. Or we would get yelled at and be like, I don't even know what I'm supposed to be doing right now. And so I get that feeling and I'm trying to, in my small way, help people out. And when I suggest things in chat, I'm trying to be friendly. I'm, I am trying to get past that hump of understanding what they need to do moment to moment. But, um, and also, you know, I think as far as bringing it up on the show, I have always been interested in that sort of next level down discussion of a game. Like I, you know, I wanted, I asked you to do that for Super Smash Brothers because that's a game I fundamentally don't understand, right? And I can play it and I can jump around and I can smack people and I can have a good time, but I don't understand it on the level at which you play that game. And I want to, and I, I, I don't think I'll ever get there with that particular game because it's not really my jam, but I like hearing that level of play. And man, I could, I could talk about Heroes of the Storm. I, I don't know of any other game that I have felt this way about where I'm picking it apart like I would, you know, a, a, an NFL game. You know, it's 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 really interesting to me. And it, it brings me back. I said this before and I've said it a lot. Uh, it brings me back to playing pickup games of basketball on the on the basketball court. I used to play so much of that. And I loved it. Uh, and this feels like that. I jump in. I can play for 20 minutes and and get the rush of a win or a loss 
and feel like I'm improving my skills and how go on with the rest of my day. And I only played for 20 minutes and it has a complete start to finish experience. So I understand why people love MOBAs. I happen to love this MOBA. Um, so I will either continue to talk about it or not, depending on the feedback that I get from, from this particular moment forward. I feel weird. I feel if I feel guilty talking about it all the time. Well, so, no, I mean, that, I think uh, to some extent, if I'm able to jump in and like I've been using my computer for video editing and stuff, and it hasn't been set up to my my home monitor for months and months and months. But I think to some extent, the the burden is a little bit on me to jump in and, and play because then we can it can be more of a mutual discussion where I'm very familiar with the game from an outsider's perspective, but it, it hasn't hooked me right. I mean. Granted, I'm on the road right now, but when I get home, the game I will still choose to sit down and play is Ollie Ollie. And to some extent, I think that's great because it gives a diversity of opinions and types of games. But the other side of the coin is when you're talking about uh, Heroes of the Storm, it's it's you talking to yourself. You know, what I mean, it's a monologue about Heroes of the Storm, um, so it makes the conversation a little different. Uh, I'm noticing in the chat here, David, you wrote that you never forget the first MMO you fall in love with. Same with MOBAs. You want to elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that I talked to people whose first MOBA, um, MMO was like EverQuest or Dark's, uh, Dark Ages of Camelot. And, and they have these amazing stories because they fell in love with the game. They spent infinite, or not infinite, but near infinite number of hours in the game. And I think the same is true for MOBAs, right? People, it becomes like a religion or a church, whether you fell in love with Dota or League or, you know, Heroes of the Storm. They, they just capture you. They pull you in. Whether it's, I don't know what it is about these these two specific genres, but they absolutely seem to pull us and take us to a place where, you know, for a long time, you're under their spell. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think a generation ago, right, people talked about real-time strategy games that way because they had this really deep learning curve, uh, this really, really intense amount of strategy and a high skill cap, right? And I think that that's, that's the same thing here is, you know... I, I can watch a replay of a match and I'll just watch what the enemy did in a replay and watch and go, Oh my God, that, of course, that's the moment where the match turned. And it's like being able to play a game of pickup basketball on, a, on the blacktop and then be able to go home and watch videotape of it and see what was happening while you were inside it. I think that level of analysis is really interesting and fun. And because the games are ostensibly fairly simple. Like there's only three or four skills that you're popping off and, you know, generally speaking, uh, per hero while you're playing, but the way, the manner in which you use them, how you use the map, what you plan to do, how your team works in and of itself. Like there's so many layers of, of what's going on that it makes it endlessly fascinating to me. So, but that's a, a, a lot of games, right? And I love that Heroes is that game for you, but Ollie Ollie 2 has daily competitions where you only get to go in and do one run through it and you can high score and you can see other people's scores and the tricks they're pulling off a game that has its share of problems. You know, Drive Club has things like that. A lot of racing games have, and if, you know, Mutual Friend, you can see Jason Paul, what he was able to pull off in the car he was using and the course he was driving on and the time he was able to get, and then you can compete against it. I mean, I think to some extent you are very eloquent in your description of these ad- adventures you're having in the game. But to say that those things are unique to MOBAs, I think discredits a lot of other games that offer the same thing. And people have been doing things like that in games from early, early on with speed runs or glitch runs and Metroid and Mario games and stuff like that. And it's I love stuff like that in gaming, too. But it's it's in a lot of lot of games. So I don't think it's 
you know, something to hoist MOBAs up over our heads and shout like, these are great because of this. No, I, I completely, I completely agree. I think you make a very fair point there. And, uh, certainly, you know, watching a high level player at Pac-Man is fascinating because they're playing the game at a completely different level. Certainly. And they're, you know, they're employing strategies that a normal Pac-Man player wouldn't play. So even at the simplest level, just, you know, being skilled at something is impressive. I just feel like there's something, I mean, I guess you could say, you know, um, Counter-Strike or, or any game you want to say that has, has teamwork involved operates at that level. I just think these games, because there's teamwork, um, and teamwork is essential, I find them to be, um, particularly, uh, adept at that at that kind of analysis, because you're asking multiple people to work toward the same objective and do so. It's different to me than an MMO. Like I, I love playing. Wow. I love playing lots of MMOs. Wildstar was great last year. I had a great time. And it's fun when you take down a big boss because you are all required to hold up your end of the bargain. The healer has to heal. The tank has to tank. The DPS has to DPS, right? And you, and based on the boss's particular idiosyncrasies you have to know how to deal with that but it's it's a very mechanical kind of interaction it's an interaction i dig i like it a lot but it's like this is a specific strategy let's employ it let's did you do the right thing and with mobas i feel like it's more nuanced than that i feel like uh the right thing isn't set in stone and you know, there's no tells that say, oh, the boss is going to do this now. So everybody has to run to that spot. And it's just just execution. This is more like uh, more like a sport where you are really reacting to the fluctuations of the of the play area and the people involved. So maybe there's a subtle distinction I'm trying to get at. Uh, but I, I take your point that gaming in and of itself can can get to that level of commitment, get to that level of skill. And it is fascinating. So I get your point. Um, did we lose everybody? <laughs> I'm here. It's hard to argue when you agree with me. I'm just not used to it. I know. It's a very weird situation to be in that I agree <laughs> with you. Uh, I think we may have lost David though. Um, he's been having spotty problems. It, it deserves to be said again that he has gone above and beyond to be on the show uh, from a rest stop because we scheduled this weeks ago and, uh, and he was fulfilling his commitment. So apologies for his spotty, um, service, but that is certainly not his fault. We, we love that he was here at all. Um, yeah, let's, uh, you know, I was going to do tabletop time as usual, but we're kind of running long and I kind of felt like that was a pretty interesting, uh, uh, discussion. And I really last week wasn't able to do a, uh, story of glory or tale of fail. So, uh, I want to do one of those. Um, this is from punk zero Knup. Wait, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. <clears throat> I got to come up with a bumper for it. Oh, go for okay, it, go dude. Ahead. Go for it. Okay, here we go. Ready? And here, go ahead. Tell your story. You. I thought you were doing one. Oh, yeah. Here it is. Ready? And okay, go ahead. Tell your story. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Uh, this hold is on, from, me, uh, I, got I got it. Hold on. Here it is. Ready? And ready? yeah. Okay, go ahead. Story. And story. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here we go. Um, this is from uh, Punk Zero Knopf. He says, one of my first PC games and what I still consider my favorite of all time is the old Microprose XCOM. On what I felt would be a normal day around 20 years ago, I was cruising right along in my campaign when I hit a mission that required me to capture a live alien commander. 
My strength was killing aliens, not taking them alive. Although I didn't like the sound of it, I bought some stun rods and grenades and entered the three-story structure to capture the alien commander. Due to losing troops one too many times from shots coming from the only dark corner of a room, my tactics had become methodical. I didn't leave a room until I saw every square foot of floor space. It took what seemed like hours, and probably was, but I was supremely confident that the team would come out on top. Still, the aliens weren't missing many shots that day, and by the time I entered the control room, there were only three left in my squad. The first entered, and there was the commander, along with its second-in-command at the front of the room. I didn't want to waste movement points looking around the room and not be able to throw my stun grenade, so I brought the other two of my squad mates into the room. I had one check. I had I had one <laughs> check the left side of the room, and the other went right. It was three against two, and I had enough movement points to throw the grenade. It dropped, dropped right at the commander's feet, and I ended my turn. The grenade goes off, and the commander goes down, but the other alien doesn't. Still, it was three against one, according to my math, and my three were spread what I thought was a safe distance apart. Before I had even a sense of danger... The alien fires a blaster launcher in the room, and the explosion kills everyone in it. Mission failed. It took me a while to understand what happened. I just sat there blinking dumbly at the screen. Then came the dreaded realization that I hadn't saved at any point during that session. I was so devastated, I didn't go back to the game for some time. When I finally did, I had wiped my hard drive, and my saves were gone. I still intend to go back someday to finish the job. Just like I plan to beat Mike Tyson's punch out someday. Heartbreaker. That is a massive tale of fail. Christian, have you ever done that? The uh, loss of the save game. You, you didn't save your game and you realize, oh my God, it's been four hours. I was sitting here and I never saved. Well, I, I get it mostly as a, a console gamer, the problem of checkpointing or you know the mm. game save status is automatically if you see this icon the game is saving and i've learned my lesson that nine times out of ten that's a checkpoint not a save point and some <laughs> games have long levels and i'm like oh it just saved turn it off nope what about the nope, nope, nope. what about the save game on the console and then exit to main screen all your progress will be lost if since last save and it's like well but i just saved did i not just save how do you are you telling me that I just didn't didn't just save right then? Okay, maybe I should save again. I hate that that message doesn't change based on the fact that you just saved the game. Yeah, go ahead, turn it off, buddy. You're good to go. And you're like, oh, that make yeah. It, ooh, ner- I feel, I feel, I feel for everyone that has experienced this. It is never fun. If you want to contribute a story of glory or tales of fails contender, please email it. Uh, we have a DLC feedback at gmail.com for that. We love hearing those. Uh, or you can visit our subreddit where you can read stories uh, uh, submitted for story of the week. You can submit stories of glories and tales of fails. And we have an incredibly awesome weekly talkback thread that is uh, put together by Topaz. He's amazing. He's doing it in real time every week and uh, making links to all the stuff we bring up. It's super awesome. So check that out at 5x5dlc.reddit.com. Um, I fear that we have lost David forever, but um, I appreciate him having been here at all. 
So Christian, I will say, uh, let's, let's both thank David in, uh, in absentia and, uh, you, you can tell me yeah, what, you, uh, you, what, go ahead. What, go ahead. No, what? It got weird. It got weird. And that's just the two of us. It feels weird. Doesn't it feel weird? We can make it if we try. <laughs> I miss David. Um, just Christian, what are you us. doing this week? <laughs> you and I. What do you what do you have to this week? We're going to do a we're going to do a parting gift, but bef- before that, uh, tell me what uh, what's going on. I want to buy your album Moment in Time. Where do I do that? Oh, you can do that on iTunes. If you hate iTunes, it is available um not through iTunes. You can find the link on my website, christianspicer.com. I've been told that the it's still slowly but surely coming to Google and Amazon MP3. I don't know when, but that is something that is happening, but I uh, check it out. iTunes is always preferred because of the ranking system and reviews help there. Thursday is improv versus stand-up at UCB Los Angeles. Um, Silicon Valley star Thomas Middleditch is going to be doing... Uh, oh, I'm sorry, that's a different show. Ha, ha, ha. This is Matt Bronger is going to be doing from... Um, it's a half-hour special. Matt Bronger and Dan St. Germain, along with uh, House Herald team... Uh, landlord is doing improv. Thomas Middleditch is doing trifecta at UCB Sunset and also in Los Angeles. I will be there the end of the month. That is with Thomas. It's going to be both great shows. Thursday, improv versus stand up. Later in the month, trifecta. Man, I'm in Texas and it's been raining all day and I am, uh, I'm ready to be home. You know what I mean? I know what you mean. Uh, come on home, buddy. Come on home. Um, I am still doing We Have Concerns, and you should be listening to it. We have concerns.com, fun show. We also are reviewing movies over at the Slash Filmcast at slashfilmcast.com. We just had a scathing review of Chappie. If you want to hear me go a little nuts on a movie that I thought was extraordinarily dumb, go listen to me review Chappie at slashfilmcast.com. Um... I feel bad. David's not here. We should tell, we should tell people they should check out, um, Fable Legends. That's his game. We talked a little bit about it. It's going to be free to play on both Xbox One and, uh, the new Windows 10 platform, which will be free as well. Um, we really appreciate him being here. He made such an effort and, uh, endured terrible internet to be with us. So, uh, thank you. Officially friend of the show status. What with his being second timer. Um, but now let's get to a parting gift. Christian, do you have uh, something to give the people on their on their way out? Polish your shoes. If you have dress shoes or boots, it seems silly. Um, I enjoy doing it by hand. I mentioned washing your car by hand before. It's one of the simple things that I think slows down time and you can't check your phone while you do it. And it's something I enjoy doing and it makes your shoes last longer. Things don't need to be disposable despite what Apple says every year. Uh, you can keep things for a long time, get them reshoot, sold, take them to a cobbler, and polish them. Uh, it's fun, and they look great afterwards. Um, I think we're going to try to get David back uh, real quick, but I want to give you my parting gift. I am. Um, I just finished doing the beta cycle for uh, T25. Now, this is going to sound like a commercial. It is not. I, I wish they would support our show because I have positive things to say. Uh, this is a Beachbody product. It's like the P90X guys, T25. Sean T is the guy who does it. Um, and it's a 25-minute workout. I really dug it. I really liked it. Um, it kicked 
kicked my butt as it should. That's what you want out of these things. And, but it's only 25 minutes. You go, go, go for 25 minutes. It is not, not a, uh, not easy to get through that 25 minutes, but man, I have seen results. I feel great. I love the fact that I can work that workout into my day. I'm going to try to start on the insanity workout next week, uh, which is sort of their longer version uh, with the same guy uh, to see how it compares. But um, I just had positive things to say about it. Not an endorsement per se, but, uh, you know, I, I really liked it. So I thought people that might be geeks and sneaks trying to get uh, fit. Uh, this is serious business. It is not, um, not for the faint of heart. The 25 minutes, you do not stop and you are doing a lot of stuff. But uh, if you're into that, I recommend it. I um, It kicked my butt, and I liked it. I will say, that's going to do it for this week of DLC. Gotta thank David Eckleberry. Uh, he is a trooper for, for <laughs> literally pulling his car over so he could make this episode happen. Uh, we gotta thank uh, Bailey and all the folks at 5x5 for producing the show. Thank you, Christian, for uh, being awesome as always. Thanks to all of you who are hanging out in our chat room and contributing to the show. We appreciate you as well. Thanks to all of you listening at home, wherever you happen to be. And until next time... Think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place. <laughs>